hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven Season 2. My name is Doug Ressler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. So Robbie, we uh, last time talked about, uh, uh, we're dealing with the objections, right, that people have. When we say the way of Jesus is better, that of course elicits these natural objections to say, well, yeah, really? Prove it. Um, I've got all these questions. I've got all these you know, challenges that I want to put to you that I need some answers on if I'm really going to take what you have to say seriously. And so, you know, lots of different objections, you know, the presence of evil in the world, the presence of suffering in the world, the presence of injustice in the world, sin, death, tragedy, accidents, all kinds of different questions that we want to try and answer and take seriously. We began talking about the presence of chaos in the world and how that uh, creates an objection to um, there being a good and all-powerful God who would uh, come to earth and offer a particular way to live things like uh again the the earthquake that just happened in morocco you know uh this past week and how you know two thousand people you know they're one day they're walking down the street they're working jobs they're maintaining homes they're going to the market they're going to school they're doing what it is they're doing and the next thing you know boom the earth shakes and yeah. it's so violent and buildings collapse, and as a result, over 2,000 people, at least so far, um, uh, lost their lives. And so what do you do? How do you answer that objection? And we said um, there's a couple of different approaches to that, and it's probably a both-and, not an either-or. One is to take the personal approach, like uh, how do I personally deal with that kind of loss if I'm connected in some personal way to that kind of loss? The other approach is to think about it from a more philosophical uh, direction, like um, how, do, how do we think about that theologically? How do we think about that philosophically? Um, all of those kinds of things. We're going to talk about the philosophical sort of approach today. And so when you think about it, if you take the step back, so not the personal approach, we'll, we'll deal with that next time, but the philosophical approach, take the step back, try and take an objective on some level point of view, although objectivity obviously is, is hard to come by with these kinds of events. And we say, okay, what's actually happening here? Mm-hmm. And so, Robbie, how would you, how, how would you and how do you approach that when you have students and other people that come along and ask you these kinds of questions? Yeah, I think when people, particularly natural disasters, mm-hmm. when we're talking about chaos, yes. I think we, yeah. we're tending to think of something that's not man-made. Right. Is that... Right, yep, I, I, 100%. Okay. Yep. So that, as soon as we say chaos, I think we, we feel a sense of helplessness because we have no control over it. Right. And so... Philosophically, for the person who who sees the earthquake or the, I mean, there's been tidal waves, yep. flooding yep. in our own country, hurricanes, um, all, tornadoes, all around, five, yeah, famines, yeah, famines, drought, drought, and so in a in a godless world, mm-hmm. if people are saying, well, why did this happen? At some level, the the answer is, well, earthquakes happen because of seismic shifts mm-hmm. in the tectonic plates right. because our our planet has these things that mm-hmm. every now and again slip and yep. how we experience that is a, a shaking of the earth and it reveals how insecure our, the foundations of our buildings are. And this in turn takes human mm-hmm. life or the storm systems cause because of the vacuum created by the different air pressures. Right. And this, this cycles around and becomes a hurricane force and it blows really, really hard. And I found that, those answers in those moments to people that are asking the why question mm-hmm. do not satisfy. That's exactly right. In addition, uh, if you're going to like take the real scientific point of view, right, with all that we know about 
earthquakes and what causes them or tornadoes or uh, weather patterns and these kinds of things, one would think that human beings would be much wiser and much smarter about putting themselves in harm's way. Right. Like if we know, for instance, the San Andreas Fault, where it is, where it's located, right. probably not the best idea for us to build homes and buildings on it. Right. Over right. It. So mm-hmm. let's instead do something else, right? So, but even that's not a really satisfactory answer for people, right. of course, who, you know, I, or I think about when we were down in Mobile, Alabama during Hurricane Katrina and the Ninth Ward was flooded in New Orleans. And one of the things they said was literally no one should be building in the Ninth Ward. Like it's it's, going to flood a lot. Right. Like you're just asking for it to flood because Mm -hmm. you've built out now onto the Delta and there's less, you know, sand and the sandbars and these kinds of things to sort of like suck the energy out of these hurricanes as they come through. So now they're coming in with increasing strength, which means greater flooding and all kinds of stuff. Like why in the world would you ever do that? And then of course, what did we do after Katrina? We rebuilt the ninth ward, you know, because on some level we're like, well, human beings have agency. They get to live where they want to live and it is what it is right at the same time. But then at the same time we're like, well, yeah, but we're just asking for it on some level. Like we don't, that's not satisfactory either. Right. right? I mean, people, you know, you don't give them that answer when they're really wrestling with these Mm -hmm. kinds of things. So that's the sort of scientific materialistic, humanistic, secular, you know, perspective. That's really kind of the only answer you've got. If there's not a God, who can actually have the power to stop it or the desire to stop it. Right. right. So, so I think categorically you've got the people for whom that's true. They, there is no acknowledgement of God mm-hmm. um, reflected in their lives and their belief system, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I find it ironic when they are asking that question mm-hmm. because that answer scientifically does not satisfy Correct. their yeah. supposedly scientifically bent mind. That's right. So the next category, I think, comes from the people who at some level do believe in God. Mm-hmm. They believe there is a God. Right. Maybe they believe in the Judeo-Christian God. Right. And what they know about this God is that this God is love. Right. And this God right. has power. That's right. And so what they're asking for now in those situations mm-hmm. is the reason. Right. They're not asking about the how, they're asking about the, the why. The why. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, I think... And they're not so much asking, like, why did an earthquake happen? That's not what they're asking. Correct. They're asking, why did a loving God allow? Yes. And it's not even like, why did he allow the earthquake? It's why did he allow people to die or to to be killed or to to suffer loss of property or damage or whatever it might be in the earthquake? There's almost a sense in which, like, if these storms rolled through and didn't impact us, like, no one would be asking, like, why do these storms happen? Right. The only reason that we ask these questions is because there's loss of life or there's suffering or there's loss of property or there's loss of something. Which ultimately rolls right. back to right. a human being's mm-hmm. happiness. Correct. Yep, that's right. Right? We don't mm-hmm. care about the storm that's in the middle of the, no- the ocean yeah, right. that affects nobody. That's right. Or the tornado that sweeps through Tornado Alley through... Some you know, cornfield somewhere. Fields right. that, yeah, mm-hmm. or that don't even have corn that Correct. affect a farmer. Right. They yeah, just yeah, go, right. yeah, there's yeah. a... Right. There's a level this hurricane or uh, mm-hmm. man, there was an earthquake mm-hmm. millions of miles off right. the coast of whatever that didn't affect anybody. We go, huh, we go about our day. But the minute it affects human beings, mm-hmm. we ask the why, and it's not the, by, by what, you know, nature or, mm-hmm. or system did God make this happen? It's mm-hmm. why would God allow this? Because people God aren't doing, people aren't doing so well. Mm-hmm. And I thought God was supposed to be loving. So with That's that right. question, I think it's, it's a different answer. Mm-hmm. And I, what I try to do when I'm asked it is lean back a little bit and say, what, 
what were you hoping mm. for? What what was your expectation mm. compared to what did happen? And mm-hmm. there's so you're right. There's an acknowledgement that earthquakes happen, that flooding mm-hmm. happens, that these mm-hmm. storms happen. But the expectation is that if if God is loving, that He would somehow have stopped it before it reached land. Right. Would have had the the damage to be minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, it goes it goes back to for me. I want to I want to get a sense of where they're they're posturing from because right. most of us on the planet think, like you said before, that we're we're good. Mm-hmm. And that we deserve good. Mm-hmm. And that if God is good, we should all be on the same page. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, I have to ask, do they think that God made an allowance for it? Mm-hmm. And that it's a reflection of this, this loving God who defines love and goodness on his own terms and knows something that we don't, or did God cause it? And in the mm-hmm. allowance of it, are you comfortable with a God who allows these events to occur that yes result in loss of human life but that there is there is reason behind it mm-hmm. and oftentimes people don't want to go there there that's mm. that's not a that's not a realm that they they understand God to exist in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because if that if that's the case then maybe there is judgment right right maybe there is right uh wrath mm-hmm. and those those ideas don't mm-hmm. don't play well in the sandbox of the idea of the loving mm-hmm. God that they formed mm-hmm. in their mind, and mm-hmm. so I try to get a sense of that before I go anywhere with it because yeah. I need to understand their understanding of what it means to be a loving God. That's right. Yeah. How do they, yeah. Oh, it totally does. Like, how, yeah. How do they define that? Is it uh, if they say it's all loving? Do that? Do they really mean that? Like, because they want you know, they want Hitler right. to die exactly, That's and they a, yeah, want right, him right, to right. burn so in So they hell. clearly don't want God to love him, right? So not they, in the way they at least yeah conceive of love, right? You know, and so yeah, it you do have to like I think tease out all of those categories, right? Very gently. That, I mean, oh yeah, very, absolutely, very gently, and and then of course there's like a, a million other categories, and rather than like focus on the million other categories, you know, that are out there, because on some level every religion is trying to answer this question. Mm-hmm. And every yeah. religion kind of answers it in different ways. Right. Um, atheism is trying to answer this question. Agnosticism is trying to answer this question. Like all of these sort of, um, again, because every human being is trying to find meaning, mm. trying to find meaning in life. It doesn't matter who they are. They're trying to find meaning. We need, we're just a, we're, we're the kind of creature that must on some level have meaning and purpose. Yeah. We got to yeah. understand, right? So we seek this stuff out, right? So what is though the Christian answer as to why there is chaos in this world? I think you can go a couple of different ways. Mm-hmm. What I tend to go, and I love saying this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I will. And you always say I yes, will. appreciate I will. that. That's, that's what I'm here for. That's what my t-shirt now says. Yeah, correct right. me if I'm wrong. Robbie, Pastor Doug. I will. Pastor Doug. Yes. yes. Reverend Dr. Uh, Doug Ressler. <laughs> Thank you. Senior pastor. That's right. That's right. Uh, that we... I, I go back to how the world's created and, and this mm-hmm. this right shalom, this right relationship, uh-huh. this right, right cadence and rhythm between God and his creatures. And we, again, it, it goes, this is how I, I guess I reconcile it in my mm-hmm. own mind. I don't know yeah. that all of this I would share with a person depending on where they are. Oh yeah, but this and, is all you're talking about. Like this is what's running in the background when you're trying to give an answer. Yes, yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we live in a, a world that's been fractured. Like you said, the chaos has been reintroduced by mm-hmm. our our choice to live separate from God. Mm-hmm. 
And so all that's created, that's good and right and true and living in harmony in it, um, it has its purpose and design and mm. value and worth and everything is right. When that gets fractured, there's these, we think that it just affects human beings. And mm. I think you said in the last episode that all of creation groans, groans right. under the weight under of the, sin, which right. is the, the language of the Bible. But that's there right. is... There's a such a truth there that there seems. I thought to I came be, up with that. Um, yeah, no, no, not, <laughs> not nearly that smart. There, yes, there seems to be this a a planet that goes. There's something not right yes, here. That's right. Longing to get back to rightness, and we seem to be <laughs> holding mm-hmm. it back. Right. You Even know? though we long to get back to rightness too, we do too. Right, yeah. yeah, Ecclesiastes right. talking about eternity being written in the hearts mm-hmm. of all of us, so that right. we have this. I think that's what you said very, very well, that we have this sense of this is wrong. Mm-hmm. We don't know where we got that sense from. Correct, right. But we have a sense that, that everything from the chaotic that goes wrong to the human cause, people know that rape is wrong, even if they've never been sat down and taught about it in a class. Right. There's a, that, that, that's not right. And you go, yeah. well, how did you know that? Right. And they just, they say things like, I just know. Yeah. So in, in, in my mind, this God who creates the shalom, this perfect world that gets fractured, there, there's this ripple effect mm. of how this happens. And the result are things of that, that we, from our limited perspective, say, this is bad. But I, right. in that moment, I think, of, I think of lambs who have you know, this propensity to run away from the shepherd, mm-hmm. and the shepherd and his loving kindness... Um, you know, it's, there's a wonderful book about Psalm 23 by mm-hmm. Philip Keller, I think, that yeah. says that he, they, they gently sort of fracture the leg of the lamb and then carry the lamb on their shoulders, the shepherd's shoulders, and you see those pictures of the mm-hmm. shepherds carrying them, so that when it heals, the lamb doesn't run away. Mm-hmm. This idea that, that that's super painful for the lamb, and that mm-hmm. seems, why would you do that? And yet the master knows there's good on the other side of it. That's actually love. I trust that in this chaotic world when this stuff happens they go wow this is somehow the what's downhill from the fracturing of of this perfection the fact that i look at it and go this is wrong is evidence that there is eternity in my heart there mm-hmm. is a perf- there's an understanding of perfection and rightness in my heart and one day that will be made new but i trust that even now God can take this chaotic dust and and make something beautiful out of it. Yeah, I mean, it really uh, these things really do challenge us to think about how we understand our God and how yeah. we understand the world, His interactions with the world. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't believe in God at all, so if you're an atheist and you don't believe in God at all, a hurricane like Katrina rolls through and kills over a thousand people. I think was the final death toll. Um, and at the end of the day, you have to say, well, it's just random. We, 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 we can yep. kind of explain it through climate processes, and we, we understand right. how hurricanes are formed, but we can't really predict where they go. Like, I mean, that was always yeah. the big joke along with the Gulf Coast when I lived there was like wherever Jim Cantore showed up, like from the Weather Channel, like That's you right. knew where you were in trouble. Right. Because wherever that dude showed up, that was their best guess is where this thing was going to land because he's always like at the heart of it, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So you never wanted Cantore to yeah. be doing something from like, Funny. you know, Mobile Bridge yeah. or something like that. You were, you were in trouble there. But right, well, they can't even predict where these things go. So there is still this sense in which there's so very little that we know about these things we, we can have some understanding how they're formed, some understanding why they happen just from a scientific perspective. But at the end of the day, we, we have no understanding as to why right. they exist. 
They just are random. If you're an atheist and there is no God. Sure. Maybe you are a, uh, someone who believes that there is a God, but that God is distant and uninvolved, right? Well, then you're kind of stuck with the same place as the atheist. These are just random events. God's not involved. He's not involved in the creation of them, nor is, nor is he involved in the resolution of them. Like there's, he's distant. He's, if you're a deist, he's uninvolved. He's sort of the great clockmaker who like puts the clock together and then starts it and then takes a step back and right. that's it. I, I'm not interested on some level, right? Or you go flip like to the other side and there's um, religions out there where the, the, the deities are so eminent, they're, they're actually riding the storm, right? right? I yeah. mean, they're like in the storm and they're bringing they're the storm naming and, it's, the people and they're were, punishing yeah. the people, right? I mean, uh, when I go to places like Ethiopia and Uganda and South Sudan, there's still these tribal groups that, that believe in, in, you know, demons and angels behind every rock and tree and these kinds of things. Right. It's a very paganistic, pantheistic way to understand life, that God is in every... And there's no separation between creation and God. Mm-hmm. Therefore, every sort of act of God, every natural disaster is an expression of God's displeasure and wrath upon us, right? Right. And uh, so whether you, you're like the atheist over here, it's just random chance, or you're like the pagan over here, that every expression is an expression of God's wrath and anger personally at me mm-hmm. for whatever I've done. Somewhere in the middle of that, right, lands the Christian understanding, which right. is, okay, God originally created a world of perfection and beauty and, and paradise. He entrusted that to human beings. Human beings decided to abandon their calling to be the steward of that world and do their own thing, to actually use the world for their own purposes, exploit it to their own ends, and, right. which is what Adam and Eve do when they eat the apple that they were forbidden to eat. It's like, I don't care. This world now exists for me, not me for it. Right. And as a result of that fundamental decision, the Bible says the world sort of is, is irreparably broken and damaged. Mm-hmm. And chaos that was held back by God originally now re-enters the world through the human being because the human being themselves is chaotic because mm-hmm. we're going to be now trying to use this world for our own purposes. And of course, we now see the extension of that you know, thousands and thousands of years of human history, how human beings upon the earth, again, whatever you think of the politics of these kinds of conversations, because it does eventually get into politics, mm-hmm. climate change, and these kinds of things, it, it, on some level doesn't matter. Human beings exploit creation without a doubt. Right. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, if, if we run up against a mountain and we're trying to build a road, well, we're just going to dynamite a hole through the mountain in order to build our road rather yeah. than go around the mountain Right? We're not going to try and work with creation. We're going to dominate creation. We're going to go right. through creation. And it doesn't really matter. We're going to extract every possible mineral resource out of the earth for our own pleasure because I, I need to have a cell phone right. you know, that uses these rare earth elements. Like these kinds of things, this is what we believe about the earth. And as soon as one resource is used up, we're going to create an alternative resource. You know? And yeah. we'll just keep on going because we believe fundamentally creation exists to, to serve, serve us. us, right? And so then it gets really scary when creation breaks that sort of covenant with us yeah. and goes crazy on us, yeah, right? I mean, that's where I think fundamentally people get really hung up is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were in charge. And now nature is letting us know how small we really are. I got to tell you, like I'll never feel as small as I did during Hurricane Katrina going out into Mobile when the eye of the storm was over us. Yeah. And 
I think it was no. I think it was, actually it was Ivan. We went through three different hurricanes down there. Katrina. We were we were too far east, but it must have been Ivan, where the eye went right over the top of Mobile. And I remember the first eye wall comes through. The winds, 130 miles an hour. Sure, you're hearing it. You're, the walls are shaking. The building's shaking. Blah 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 blah. Then it gets eerily calm. Wow. And so I walked outside, and I mean, you heard nothing. No birds. No animals. Nothing complete and utter silence as you're waiting for the second eye wall to right, roll through. Right, yeah. And dude, I'm telling you, like, you feel small. Mm-hmm. You f- you're, like, very aware of, ooh. Like, I, I kind of thought I was in charge, but I'm not in charge. Not so much. Like, this thing, this thing, I mean, and then, of course, the aftermath of these storms, you're like, it's like a bomb has gone off. Mm-hmm. It's taken buildings and thrown them, you know, you know, 10 miles down the street, it's, it's, it's taken trees, ripped them out of the ground, turned them into missiles. It's destroyed homes, cars, businesses, like nothing we build is safe. Yeah. And it is a scary thing. And whether you've gone through an earthquake and that's what's happened, or you've gone through a tornado and that's what's happened or a hurricane and that's what's happened or a blizzard or a heat wave, right. That like knocks out your power grid. Like, I don't care what it is. Like nature has a way of reminding you, oh yeah, you're, you're like not in charge here. Like right. we're at war. Yeah, that's a good way to put Which it. Which is, of course, what the Bible says. Yeah. We're at war. We're at war with okay. creation. We weren't mm-hmm. originally designed to be at war with creation, but through sin, that's what happened. Right. And so that's why we struggle with the chaos. And oh, by the way, it's not just natural disasters. It's terminal diseases as well. Right. right? So like right. to take it from like the big picture, big event, Out big there. weather event, whatever it might be, to the internal, like... I'm just like cruising through life one day thinking everything's fine. I go to the doctor and all of a sudden realize there's a cell in my body that's gone haywire and now yeah. I have cancer. Right. You know, something like that. Or again, I just got back from South Sudan and one of the people on our trip, sadly, tragically enough, he contracted malaria. While we were over there, malaria is usually easily treatable, but for whatever reason in his condition, it went right to his brain. And, and when it goes to your brain, it becomes incredibly dangerous and it damaged his brain. And so he, they ended up taking him off life support and he passed away. And like unbelievably tragic. Like that, it just went haywire on him. Yeah. Again, it's chaos, right? It, within his own body. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then how do we, you know, and then so then we're re- back to wrestling. Wrestling, again. yeah. How do we grapple and with that? Yeah. I just feel like there's this tension that the Christian exists in of that knowledge that. This isn't how things are supposed to be. Yes. Yeah. But there's a reason for why mm-hmm. these things are. Yes. And it, it, it goes back to this thing that we've inherited. We call sin. That's the right. fracturing of this perfection. And what, what we demand, I think you say all the time, we want the kingdom without the king. That's right. And so we recognize that it's wrong. We recognize that the cancer's wrong mm-hmm. and the earthquake's wrong. Yep. We recognize both of those things are these things that... Not a part of God's plan. They're not Original a part plan. Of when this, we say wrong, that's what we mean, right? Yeah. yeah. That, well, because deep in our hearts, we, we have yep. this vision of paradise. Life that's should right. be paradise. That's echoes of that that sort of still live in our brains. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So we... I think there's this... For the Christian, you have to understand this. God is still God. Mm-hmm. God gave us choice. We, we, we blew that choice. Mm-hmm. There is a consequence that we're still feeling of that mm. choice. Yeah. And God in his love, we, we want to say, well, give us another choice. Right. And give us another choice. Right. And God goes, mm. I, I did. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did. I sent, I sent my son. 
right? Mm-hmm. Whom you rejected, mm-hmm. basically. But that, that choice still exists. But now in this second choice that we get, it doesn't, it doesn't eradicate the consequences of the first choice. That's right, man. Oh, my gosh. Can I tell you? I mean, I can't tell you the number of people who I have talked to over the years, uh, whether you're talking individuals or you're talking churches or other organizations, where um, there's always this desire for a fresh start. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to start over. And, like, I feel that too. Like, I, I really do. But the reality is, there is no such animal as starting over. Right. You're always dealing with the ripple effect of previous choices that have taken place before, either before you got there or choices that you've made or whatever. You don't get to ever really start over. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can keep going forward. But you don't get to start over. I was talking to a, a church just just a, a a month ago, and and they were talking about wanting to have a fresh start. They've been through hell and back. Yeah, all these kinds of consequences of leadership failures, moral failings, all these different things, and they want to they want a fresh start. They want to start over. And I was like talking to a person that was involved in that whole process, and I was like, "But here's the thing: you you don't get to pretend like none of those things have happened." Mm. Yeah, and that's what I hear you saying is that you want a fresh start with the hope that you can kind of put all that stuff in the rear view. You don't get to do that unless you deal with that stuff. Right, right. you got to deal with that stuff, or, or it will continue to ripple into your decision-making currently because that's the stuff that is creating the distrust and is holding you back and you know, continues to lead to these really bad choices yeah. you know, that you're making. And they're not bad choices like evil choices. They're well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. They're just the wrong choices right. because you're not operating with the full picture in mind. And sometimes yeah. going back to this chaos thing, like how we respond to it, how we respond to someone who's been impacted by it, right? We have to make sure we're, 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 we're responding to that person with the whole picture in yeah. mind, a whole understanding in mind, which again, then, then makes it matter. And this is why I think like, you don't ever see like atheist relief agencies. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. honestly, Richard Dawkins said that the famous atheist, like he's like, you know, I mean, say what you want about Christians. And he goes, and I say a lot about Christians. He's like, I don't see any atheists like helping out with Katrina relief. Right. It's the Red Cross, it's Samaritan's Purse. It's all these Christian organizations. It's yeah. all of these churches and all of these, and it's not just churches, it's synagogues, it's, it's mosques, it's, it's, it's people of faith. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just Christians. We're talking about like people of faith who, because they have this big picture in mind, they have this large understanding in mind, they're not just sitting back going, well, you know, you, you just built your house in the wrong place. So yeah. too bad. Too bad. I don't know what to tell you. You know, you should have followed the science, right? They don't do that. No, no. Instead, people of faith respond with, no, no, no. There's this bigger picture in, in mind. And so we feel compelled to come alongside. Yeah. I mean, the fires happened in Maui. And man, I cannot tell. As soon as like that news is breaking, like on CNN app or BBC app or Fox News app on my phone, I'm getting texts from people in our church family who are like, when are we going? Now, I yeah. love that. I love right. that that's the first response, you know, and so we're trying to figure some of those things out. Or like when when, when I take people overseas with me to places that I go in Africa, and they're like seeing this stuff for the first time and the poverty and all these things, and they're going, okay, how do I respond? Yeah. How do I, what do I do about this? What's my next step? I want to get personally involved. I want to get personally engaged. People of faith 
do that. Yeah. Rather than, and that's not to say that atheists don't do it. You just don't see it as a general rule, though. You don't. You just don't see again atheist disaster relief organizations. You don't see. I mean, one of my long-running arguments with an atheist friend of mine. He's a militant. Uh, I use that term like in a positive sense. He's like an evangelical atheist. Right. I guess is a better way to put it. And he lives up in in the mountains and a lawyer, great friend of mine. He uh, was a Christian in college, and he he went to law school and ran into some of these questions, and they became just too much for him. And so he said, okay, I'm I'm done with Christianity. I'm going to become an atheist. And um, so he and I argue about this kind of stuff all the time. And one of the things I keep telling him, like, okay, so, all right, you want to get rid of Christianity, right? Think about what would happen if the church disappeared tomorrow. Like, there's literally been studies done that quantify the amount of relief and support that takes place every year across the country in communities all over the country that come out of the faith community, whether churches, synagogues, mosques, you name it. Well, around the world. Well, right, but they're just, we're just talking America now, right? So I'm like, yeah, like absolutely around the world, but let's just, let's just limit it to our country, right? We're talking, it's, it's in the, it's in the, it's like $60 billion. It's massive. Wow. It's not easily replaced. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I was like, so are you guys going to step in? Like who steps in? Yeah. If Christianity disappears, hmm. who steps in if, if you eliminate your goals to eliminate religion? Who steps in? You, atheists? He's like, well, no, the government. I'm like, oh, right. And, and how well does that work out? It's going great so far. You know, I mean, like, just look at, you know, how, how well is the government doing with the homeless question in California? Right. Because they're trying like crazy to solve it. They're throwing billions of dollars at it, and it's getting worse. Hmm. So... Like what? What are, you, what are we talking about here? Right? Yeah. You know that. You know what I'm saying. So yeah. it's those kinds of things that when you have these dialogues and you're wrestling with these questions and you're you're trying to like again answer the why question, answer the how question, answer the what question, whatever this is the question that's arising. Right? You know that's where again I think that's where fundamentally you go back to the premise of this show, which is yeah, like I actually buy the Christian answer. To these things, I may not always understand. I may not always like, like what has happened or why it's happened or how it's happened. Like I may not have all the answers to any of those things, but fundamentally, I do believe that the Christian answer is the best answer to these things. And um, you know, so of all the different possibilities that are out there as to why do these things happen. Why do natural disasters happen? Why do people get terminal cancer? Why is there chaos in the world? I think the Bible gives us the best possible answer out there, at least the one that's most compelling to me. Yeah. What about you? Absolutely. I mean, I think even as you're talking, the the Christian and the non-Christian mm-hmm. both experience the disaster, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. The non-Christian thinks it's, it's happenstance, it's randomness. Mm-hmm. And that's life mm-hmm. and it's, it's bad luck or whatever for the Christian for whom it's evidence of a fractured world. If you keep going down that, but the fractured world has a hope, like we said, that second yeah, choice. Right. Right. And while God gives us this choice to return to Eden through his son, Jesus, mm. it's, it's, it's not yet, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get the, the reality of the loving God with us yeah. until until Eden comes again, mm-hmm. basically. And that for me is the, do I get to personally, no, 
I, I have to live through the earthquake or have my life taken right. by the earthquake or right. the storm or the That's cancer right. or whatever. But in the midst of that, as I'm looking for meaning or hope, those are things that the Bible says, this God man, Jesus comes alongside mm-hmm. and it says he's empathetic to us. Mm-hmm. And I always have this picture of Jesus going, man, I know it hurts. Yeah. It's, it's the father who watches the son, uh, you know, make decisions that have these consequences and rather than shaming him, just hugs him who mm-hmm. can't take away the consequences, who can't say, well, no, you, you did that in whatever mm-hmm. state you were. And now there are legal ramifications, right. whatever. I, I can't take those away because to do that would remove your choice and you, you still want your choice. You, mm-hmm. you proved that, but I can, I can put my arms around you and say, I know this hurts. And I'm so sorry. And I, I can't wait for you to come home. Hmm. That's, that's how I reconcile it as a totally. Christian. And that's yeah. what I try to, to make available to others is that hmm. Christianity doesn't take you out of this world. Mm-hmm. It gives you a hope and a compassion with whom you can walk through the world, through these events. And that's what you said. I, the other explanations, the scientific, the cold, you know, disenfranchised sort of explanations, the merely philosophical, the other religion don't satisfy. And when you turn to the Christian who's gone through Mm -hmm. them and they lean into Jesus and you see the joy or the, the, the buoyancy of their faith in spite of the sorrow that's made available through their faith in Christ and that alone. Yeah. I think that uh, we should explore that uh, next time as well, even on a deeper level, because you know, you can start with how the Bible talks about, or how you know, yeah, how, how we understand from a Christian point of view how the world got to where it is, and why there's chaos that exists in the world. But where you just pushed us, which I think is is exactly right, and this is actually what makes Christianity unique, is that God God actually comes to be with us in the right. midst of the chaos, right. and so there is not just the philosophical dimension and the philosophical question about why does why does chaos exist in a world that God has imposed some level of order upon it's it's really it's it's you have to get to the personal which is where is god in the midst of the chaos you know and the reality is the christian says and really it's uniquely the christian that says this god is with us it's right here god is with us that's right so thanks as always to jake and to billy uh, our guys uh behind the glass making us sound good please uh, keep listening as we dive deeper of course in the weeks ahead and as we uh, deal with these questions of what it means to follow Jesus. We'd love your comments and your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. Subscribe to stay tuned as we release more episodes. We'll talk to you next time.